Welcome to Nutra Voices. I'm Dr. V, and this is In-Depth, where we dig deep in the trenches of what matters. And tonight's topic is amazing. We're talking about oppression. There's so much to this topic. Yes, it is. It's a deep subject. And and it's sad to say, I'm going to say, I don't want to say my age, but yes, I will. (laughs) Yes, I will. I was going to say at this age. How about that? At at this this age, age, in this stage. I didn't know there was so much to oppression. I think that growing up, you hear it and you look at it one way. But as you begin to study it and you realize there's so much more to oppression than just what you thought. Yes, it is. is. And so tonight we're going to dig deep into oppression on all sides. And we um, are actually going to cover the what. And this is funny. I've seen one one uh, site talked about the five um, the five sides to oppression and mm-hmm. it was something else was three and there's so many different right, sides. Right. So we're going to narrow it down and we're going to talk about the four eyes of oppression tonight. Mm-hmm. And those four eyes, let me just, so you, in case this relates to you, you can stick around and uh, don't leave us. We're going to be talking about the ideological oppression, uh, institutional oppression, interpersonal oppression and inter internalized oppression mm-hmm. and internalized oppression um I, i'm thinking that was one of the ones that really surprised me so you don't want to miss this mm-hmm. conversation right right before we get deep. yes before we get too far into it let's start with the definition so the definition itself and as we all kind of sprinkle a little bit to this definition i think it's going to really surprise some of you can we go ahead yes sir. So there were a lot of definitions and I picked this one because there's a word in it that stood out to me that is going to be important later in the conversation. So the definition that I found was the experience of repeated widespread systemic injustice. So the word repeated is something that that stuck out to me and we'll talk about that a little bit later. What do you have, Clarence? Well, I I just want to touch on that where you're talking about the repeated and that's where we all get hung up on. Some people think oppression just at lasted just for a little bit. Mm-hmm. They think once we came over some things that oppression was done. Mm-hmm. But there are still some repeated factors. There's still some repeated acts that's going on that is symptomatic to oppression. Right. So we're going to get into it. And it's a lot. It's really a whole lot that we can talk about. And then for, for my definition, I want to make sure we get this out there. Using the difference of man. To dominate over others or to reduce the experience of the powerless. And then, or, plainly and simple, uh, limits that set to control others. Mm -hmm. And then opportunity limits in place for specific groups or against other groups. Opportunity limits. Let's let's put a pin in that one because we're not talking about that. And then this one, I had to to look at the, the root of the word. I'll say that. Uh, so one of the elements that stood out to me was the word press. Mm-hmm. And so as I looked at the word press, I actually thought about all of the ways that we see press. So one, obviously pressure, mm-hmm. when pressure is applied to something. Right. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, that was the place of the oil press mm-hmm. and or the olive garden. A lot of right. people didn't know that, but a lot of Pressing was taking place there. But then when you're on a basketball court, there's pressing to prevent you from moving. Yeah. So the full court press. So and then 
just when something is pressing, it's flattening you mm-hmm. down or reducing. Yes. And so I start looking at all of those other things that tie to the word press. And so, uh, E, did you have anything you want to add to that? Well, I mean, the definition you, you, before we go further? You, you talk about press mm-hmm. as one thing I understand about, I was told, well, growing up, pressure. Mm-hmm. Pressure bus pipes. Are you okay. a man or are you a pipe? Mm. Mm, that's a good okay. question. Yes. Okay. That's a great question. So you should be able to withstand the pressure. Okay. Well, we have a video, so we want to get started with our video. So this is one of a, a couple that we're going to watch tonight. So we're ready for our first video. Hey, we are we are racing for a $100 bill. The winner of this race will take this. $100 bill. Before I say go, I'm going to make a couple statements. If those statements apply to you, I want you to take two steps forward. If those statements don't apply to you, I want you to stay right where you're at. Take two steps forward if both of your parents are still married. Take two steps forward if you grew up with a father figure in the home. Take two steps forward if you had access to a private education. Take two steps forward if you had access to a free tutor growing up. Take two steps forward if you've never had to worry about your cell phone being shut off. Take two steps forward if you've never had to help mom or dad with the bills. Take two steps forward if it wasn't because of your athletic ability, you don't have to pay for college. Take two steps forward if you never wondered where your next meal was going to come from. I want you guys up here in the front just to turn around and look. Yes, yes. That video, and Jill, that's why I wanted to hit on that word repeated that you um, stated in your definition. Now, sometimes we got to understand that sometimes oppression is not by what we are. Sometimes it's who we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in that video, a lot of those kids, I I guarantee before that study showed, or they did that study, they never thought about oppression in that mindset. Mm -hmm. But oppression, if we go back, oppression started we can't even say when it started because it's in a biblical time Mm -hmm. but you can't separate acts in history without talking about oppression now we can talk about slavery that happened those were oppressed people but the problem is we can't just talk about slavery back then there's still slavery going on today and there's still people of oppressed natures and most of the time the oppressed people are the people that don't have you know it was showing that you lack things. So therefore, once you lack, you become more and more oppressed. So your opportunity, I think you mentioned that the opportunity, yes. you know, are the not limits to opportunity. opportunities. So that leads to a lot of oppression. When I know you can't fight back, I'm going to oppress you or try to oppress you. Exactly. And more of us in this country are oppressed than we think. And that we realize <laughs> like those young people in there, they didn't realize what oppression right. It's more of us in this country that's oppressed than we realize or think that we are. 
That's right. And then that's why I asked the question, how have you been oppressed? How have I been oppressed? How? Yes. In life? And, and think about that. I mean, on the panel right now, how have you been oppressed today, yesterday, lately? Well, the most common, and I hope I'm not stealing anybody's, but this is a personal experience. It was in a job world. You know, I was qualified. I know I was qualified for this job. I, I honestly know I was qualified for the job. But they gave the job to a woman because they had to fill a quota. Mm-hmm. I understand she was an oppressed minority as well, but they gave her the job because specifically, and it was told to me, they, they gave it to her because they needed a woman in that position. Right. And, and so, and I see that now for me, I would say, because people don't really look at it like this, but fear is also a form of oppression. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, especially, you know, when you're out there and you're looking for certain things and you're searching on Craigslist and et cetera, and you're like, for me, looking for a place to stay now with all of the people out scamming Mm -hmm. and you out alone trying to find a place to stay, you don't really know what's out there and you're going to meet these people and you don't realize the fear and anxiety that actually comes over you in certain situations. And I've been feeling that real heavy Mm -hmm. just in that process because it almost happened to me the other day. And so, but people don't look at the different forms and we'll talk more about the different forms of oppression. And you will find that you might be dealing with some form of oppression right now. So even like depression, Mm-hmm. you know, is a form of oppression. And so there's a lot of other things, but we're going to keep going because we have a lot we want to cover. And so let's get into our four eyes if we can. Okay. Yes. And so the first one, let's talk about the idea of The idea oppression. of oppression. Yes. As I was saying, the idea of oppression, and I'm going to make this simple to you, and in this video is as simple as too. The idea of oppression, and I'm going to make this analogy. I think we talked about this um, before we came on the air. A pet owner. There's a lot of us that are pet owners. Mm -hmm. Now, you have a dog, and you meet the most minimum needs of that dog. That's all you do is meet the most minimum need of that dog, and that dog is going to show you loyalty, and it's going to follow you. It's going to do whatever you need it to do. But you hold that dog in a superior, inferior role. And that's how a lot of the ideal of oppression is. The idea is that I'm going to take the inferior person and Mm -hmm. bend them to my will, make them do my bidding. I'm going to do whatever I can to benefit and hold these people down. Most governments, most governments are built off oppressive ideas. Right. Right. You know, they're built off the back of the people Mm -hmm. and the government is the actual beneficiary of the oppression. Right. And so so and then when I look at the ideological oppression, I'm looking at the fact that there's a group of people who have identified themselves as superior, mm-hmm. as right. greater than. And so when they start looking at how great they are, then they look at because they're the dominant, of right. course, then they look at the lesser, mm-hmm. the person that they have oppressed. Right. And so they look at them as the negative, the lesser the inferior person that's lacking, that's stupid, lazy, or weak. And so, uh, you know, and that was one of the things I said at the beginning that I I really never thought about that because people look at you that way. Mm -hmm. That that was a form of Let me give you an example. Um, And we're going to talk about this a little bit later, a modern day tyranny. But think of when Hitler 
wanted to take out the Jewish population. He started a negative campaign mm -hmm. about Jews. When black people were free, there was a negative campaign about black people. So yes, the media can be a tool of oppression because how we put the stories out and what we make the light of the people, like you were saying, the, the upper class, the superior, mm -hmm. we have to make that lesser class look lesser so we can oppress them. Exactly. And keep them keep oppressed. Them oppressed. And one thing about these, these four eyes as we go into them, they work together. Yes. And so you yeah. can't really talk about one without talking about the other all one. Tying right. together. And, and so uh, we're going to continue. Jill, you have one you want to talk about? So um, I have institutionalized oppression. So think about it like this, simply put, because there's a lot to it. There's paragraphs full of this. So this is about opportunity. So when someone has a different chance of obtaining certain things. So if you are on the, the racetrack or out on the track or whatever, you're running the same exact race as the person next to you. However, you have a straight line to the finish. The person next to you has to go around all kinds of obstacles. Yes, you both have the ability to make it to the end. However, one person's ride is a little bit easier. And, you know, I... I I think this is really important because we talk about empathy and people who think, oh, well, oppression, like, get over it. You know, mm -hmm. you hear that a lot. Right. Um, and and I have, you know, a passage that I'm going to read here a little bit later, but I think it's very important. You know, when you're poor, you're poor. It doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt any less to be poor when you're white than it does to be any other race. And that's not what it's about. We're talking about things that stand in your way of success and that's institutionalized oppression. Well, right. and I don't, before we move off of that and I don't want to get into, because I don't know what you're going to read Jill, but you made a point and I have a question. If your path is straight on the track and I got to run over hurdles and, you know, dodge ditches and things like that. Why do the ones that have the easier, like these young people in this video, and we're going to finish watching that at one point, why did the ones that were ahead didn't think, it odd that the ones in the back had a harder struggle. And I'm going to talk about race. When white people say, get over it, you don't realize how much we have to get over. It's not just one hurdle. We get to the wall, we climb up the wall, then there's another wall. Then, you know, so that's still the oppressive. Yeah, and I'm going to I'm gonna answer that when when I, okay. after, after the video, I'm going to answer that. I'm going to dig into race a little bit and it will exactly answer what you're asking. All right, just wondering, because okay. you brought it up. <laughs> and, and then I think that's also going to tie into the birdcage theory. Mm -hmm. And so as yeah. we look into that a little bit more, too, so we can continue. We do have a second video or second part to a video. So let's go ahead and watch the second part. I want you guys up here in the front just to turn around and look. Every statement I've made has nothing to do with anything any of you have done. Has nothing to do with decisions you've made. Everything I have said has nothing to do with what you've done. We all know these people up here have a better opportunity to win this hundred dollars. Does that mean these people back here can't race? No. We would be foolish to not realize we've been given more opportunity. We don't want to recognize that we've been given a head start. But the reality is we have. Now, there's no excuse. 
They still got to run their race. You still got to run your race. But whoever wins this hundred dollars, I think it'd be extremely foolish of you not to utilize that and learn more about somebody else's story. Because the reality is, if this was a fair race and everybody was back on that line, I guarantee you some of these black dudes would smoke all of you. And it's only because you have this big of a head start that you're possibly going to win this race called life. That is a picture of life, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing you've done has put you in the lead that you're in right now. When I say go, on your mark, get set, go. If you didn't learn anything from this activity, you're a fool. Hmm. So that brings me to the word race. I think if you, if you look at certain words, you can gain a different perspective. So when we think of race, when society thinks of race, they think of color, white, black, whatever. What if we looked at the word race as something that we, something that we do instead of something that we are? And Clarence asked earlier why those people who have the advantage how, how did you put it what why do they not see why do they not understand right and why do they tell us to get over it okay. and you know work harder or whatever the cliche is that they tell us so and for those those people that you are referencing i i have something you may truly believe that all people should be treated equally perhaps this is why you say all lives matter or you say i don't see color Race and color genuinely are not important to you when it comes to you personally, but this is because race has never had to be important to you. Most likely race wasn't something you had to think about when you left the house, wasn't something that arised fear in you, something that forced you to act a certain way simply because of your race. In fact, you may feel that placing a specific focus on race is actually dividing everyone. When we are all in this together, you may live in a world where it appears that we all have the same opportunities and that racism isn't prevalent, but that does not mean that your reality is the actual reality of those who have experienced it. So when I, when I say that, I'm mainly talking to uh, obviously white people. people. Um, (laughs) Oppression is not something to brag about. A lot of times people say, well, you say you're oppressed and blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I struggle too. And it's oppression is not about struggle. It's not right. about struggle. Right. It are, it's things that are, that are placed somewhere. You can be the best runner. You can be the best at hurdles. It is not about how good you are. It's about what's standing in your way. So to answer your question, they don't think about it because they've never had to think about race, period. You're born white. That's just the way it is. That's Their hurdles right. are not there. Right. That's right. right. And, and when you say that, there's so many things in, in E, I know you want to get in on there, but I wanted to say because age can be oppressive. A right. woman, uh, when it comes to wages, wages being yes. paid 77 cents with mm-hmm. a man to, to a the dollar. dollar, I'm saying there's so many other things. Uh, your your class, the way you grew up, your background, et cetera, there's so many other things that play a role in that. So it's not just about exactly. color. Mm-hmm. 
And E, I know you was going to say something right there. No, Susan. I was just agreeing with okay. what you saying. And yeah. so I think it's a good point for me to even mention the birdcage analogy. Obviously, I didn't create it, mm-hmm. but Marilyn Fry back in 1983, it's um, an analogy or a theory as far as uh, to give you a, to to give you a clear picture of what oppression looks like, because mm-hmm. so many times people look at oppression as if it's just one thing, mm-hmm. and it, it it actually is a combination, which is why we were talking about and we're talking about the four eyes of oppression. Uh, so I have my little birdcage here. If um, y'all want to look at it. Here. <laughs> Can y'all see my, my we little see your bird little cage? We see your little bird. And you see he's trapped in there. Yes. And if you look closer at these prongs, obviously, the idea is that when you look at it a certain way and you look or focus on one prong, then you're looking at it from a microscopic uh, viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And so you may wonder to yourself, well, couldn't that bird squeeze out of there? Couldn't mm-hmm. he get out of there? Right. But when you begin to look at it from a macro perspective, then you understand that there's so many other things. So maybe this particular situation or this person that's dealing with some form of oppression is dealing with uh, poverty. Mm-hmm. And so look at all the things, other things that's attached to poverty. So poverty is one prong. Right. But what does poverty create? What does it cause? What type of mindset? Mm-hmm. And then think about the way that person is living. Mm -hmm. Maybe that person doesn't have a car, and so that person has to try to get to work. And then they try to catch the bus. Maybe the bus was late. Maybe they missed the bus, et cetera. And so all these other things keep getting in the way, so they— they, they get to the job late too many times, and guess what happens? They lose that job. Then they the lose job. the job. But then nobody looked to find out, why did you lose the job? But that's the oppressive nature. They don't care. That's yeah. right. You know what? The movie came to mind. Uh, is it Good Deeds? Tyler Perry mm-hmm. and the lady. That was the situation. She was homeless. And then, you know, that was one issue. So she lost her job. Obviously, mm-hmm. that led to the homelessness. Then she didn't have enough money to pay a sitter. So. Right. You know, sneaking a baby on the job. Women have to deal with this stuff that's, all the that's time. Real life. And so that's real life. when I said you may be oppressed, in what ways have you been oppressed? That's exactly what I'm talking about. We overlook the single parent that is struggling on their own to try to make things happen in that home and yet still work a job mm-hmm. or the education system. You're not getting the books that you need in order to set you up for the college that you want to go to. So there's oppression in all ways. And so when we see the birdcage from that perspective, we have to look at all the prongs right. and understand it from a microeconomic or micro um, visual. I put a pin in that birdcage because I got something to go with that. Okay. But um, you mentioned education and I know we're going to get to E. But the educational system is set up as an oppressive system. J- John Rockefeller, who started mm-hmm. the Board of Education um, system, he said he will does not want a world of free thinkers. He wants a world of workers. So the education system is an oppressive system to make you ready for work instead of ready to think. Mm. So think about that. Our education system. Right. You are oppressed. They teach you how to sit still for eight hours, how to take breaks in increments, when to eat lunch, when to be there, when to leave. A bell rings. You go into your program. So that's an oppressive system, and it's set up like that. That's the, uh, and that's sure lives. I mean, I just th- you I really thought about when I was in high school. We had block eight, mm-hmm. and block eight was you have four classes a day. 
and you stand in one class for an hour and a half and had a 15-minute break. Then you go to your next class for another hour and a half. You got lunch? You got lunch. So, yeah, it's set up for you literally just to go to work right. and just be have a, 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 a numbing brain. Yeah. Mm. Conformity. Yeah. That's the biggest thing of oppression and is so conformity. Th- I was going to say, and you start thinking about systematic oppression. And so, of course, the school system and the way the schools are set up and designed and mm-hmm. even the, the time management of that day is a form of oppression. Um, and, you know, I don't know about all the schools, but I do know that our school, uh, Fort Wayne Community Schools, are they're working on systems that actually opens the the um, the room up for a little bit more flexibility, right. so it, it doesn't feel so oppressed. Right. And so we sometimes call it flipping the class, where we actually put students in charge of the way that day would would flow. Right. Yeah. So well, I mean, just think about it. If you flipping it, you're leaving the, the child, the student, the chance to flow to make the flow of the day. You just turn that child from a worker to a supervisor. Not well. I mean, you you <laughs> may look you am, may am look I at correct? it like that, am but it, it, you would have to be in the classroom to see how it really flows. It's just saying, e, you may take your time moving through uh, point A, where the other person has already moved through point three, four, five, six, A, B, C, D, F, G. They're moving fast. Well, so you find trying to find the next supervisor. No, and so the thing is, you give them the opportunity to work at their pace, and so so. But my point in that is. At least people do see that in the educational system that it is and has been a little bit of oppression. And while we're on education, before we move from that, um, I think it's important to also mention the school to prison pipeline. Because when we talk about that, we think it was something that was long ago, Mm -hmm. you know, to to put people, specifically black men, into the system. And it's still happening today. Um, I, before, during the crack epidemic, when, you know, your, your dad was getting locked up. So then you're going to school and you're trying to provide for your family. So you're breaking the law so that you can help your mom who has two jobs. Then where do you go? You're going to prison. It's just the school to prison pipeline is also a form of oppression starting then and still happening today. And that back to that institutional Mm -hmm. oppression Mm -hmm. and one in four Black youth are imprisoned right. on parole or on probation or some type of way. Mm-hmm. And even when they are free, they are still oppressed right. when they get out. Right. <laughs> so some type of bondage, those invisible, uh, those invisible, I want to say shackles, yes. chains, yes. etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have some other eyes. Is it the interpersonal? No, it's, 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 I was going to say we have some other eyes. Did oh, you? Oh, yeah, we got one, two, three, four. No. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, it's internal, uh, internalized oppression. Yeah. And, you know, internalized uh, oppression can lead to depression mm-hmm. out the gate. And one of the things I've read, and I'm, I'm sitting here reading through this, internalized oppression, you actually believe in what that person is putting on to you. You're right. Okay. And, you know, a lot of times our parents growing up mm-hmm. put things on us because they didn't know, they didn't knew nothing about it. So they put it on us like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. a lot of times internalized, uh, internalized oppression starts at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And we don't, we don't realize it because, like I said, our parents only teach you what they know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, internal, and it's so crazy you talking about the bird, the birdcage analogy. I sit back and I'm thinking about uh, 
I know everybody can watch a different world. Mm-hmm. Okay. They had an episode on there with Chris Cross and Dwayne Wayne was their mentor. Uh-huh. And he gave this analogy, the um, the lightning bug in a jar analogy. Mm-hmm. You put a lightning bug in a jar and they keep jumping up and keep hitting their head on the on the mm-hmm. on the top. But when you take that lid off, they don't realize they say, Oh, we're gonna jump today. Okay. No. We not because there's a li- there's the a lid limitations. On them. Yeah. So they right. limit themselves not knowing mm-hmm. that the lid that is they off. They are free. They're free to go. It's back to Harriet Tubman. Yeah. And yeah. I think that if they knew they were free. Well you said is so prevalent. And I know we talk about this um a lot with the youth. So if you are being told over and over again that you are you're just deemed oppressed for for permanency for the rest of your life, you're not gonna try to finish the race because the people that you love and trust and eat dinner with are telling you, you're not going to go any further, son. Just go ahead and, you know, try to get this job, try to get this or whatever. And and these these children are our future. So barriers exist, but to have those barriers placed and reminded, like like E said, drilling, drilling it in is, I mean, that, that can't be good. Well, That's why people are throwing a fit about critical, the I, critical race theory. Right? Well, right. Have you ever seen that movie Fences? Yes. Yes. Denzel Washington, one of his greatest movies, he played that to a T because he told his son, all I have to do is feed you. I don't have to love you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if a person, if, if a father. I'm supposed to love you. Yeah. <laughs> when a father is sitting there telling his son, I'm not, I don't have to love you. I'm just supposed to take that care of you. bed you sleep in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things now is, is, is inside that young man that, when I have kids, I'm not. I don't have to love my child. The food that you I make. just gotta, you know, <laughs> take care of them for the time that they're in my household. Yeah, right. You're right. And you know, before you leave internalized oppression, it made me think about Nicki Minaj. I don't know if you ever heard the story or I heard her talk about who actually I'm gonna say caused her to actually have her butt. What she call them butt injections, mm-hmm. and that was Little Wayne. Little Wayne. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he made a comment about her butt and mm-hmm. that she didn't have a butt and that everybody else in that industry had this certain image, this certain look. And so she talked about feeling, you know, inferior to other women right. because of their body shape. Right. And so that was the reason why she did that. That is actually a form of internalized oppression. And so many times that happens to women, mm-hmm. even today, even now. Uh, women feel like they have to have a certain type of hair, uh, certain jobs. They prefer a woman with straighter hair versus curly hair, uh, complexion. And so you have people trying to, whether they're going to tan or whether they're going to bleach. It works both sides. So just depending on, you know, that particular job or place, oppression is everywhere. So again, when I ask the question, how have you been oppressed Lately, the first thing people think is I haven't been. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Right. But when you really dig deeper into it and you understand a lot of the different forms of oppression, then you say, job, maybe, oppressed. maybe I have been <laughs> oppressed. But I'm saying even because of your religion beliefs, you can be oppressed. Oh, or, uh, yes. Let's talk about you know. Well, and yeah. something that so. stuck out to me is, you know, this kind of oppression is within your own within your own race. So not only are you fighting this fight. But you are fighting the fight within within your own race. So mm-hmm. I thought that that was, you know, super interesting and something that I've heard you guys say before 
is that there are certain classes of skin color that yes. are, um, you know, that that's a form too. Yes. Like having a, a, there's, you know, like an analogy with different colors of skin. Exactly. One being superior or, or right. whatever. Oh, yeah. So. Dr. DeBear, this the, the, the juice, baby. Come on. <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> yes. But, uh, and, and so when you mention that, I'm thinking about the culture of silence. So just like there's a culture of people who feel like they have to remain silent, that mm-hmm. is a form of oppression. Right. Yes. And so uh, Clarence is getting a signal from afar. And <laughs> Clarence, you said, I can't hide it. Right. But anyway, so there are so many different forms of oppression. Well, and, and, and Clarence, we, I, I thought you had something you wanted I to do, add. I do. And I, I don't want to prolong it because this conversation can't go. I'm yeah. just going to give one analogy before. And we're going to talk about this a little bit on our program tomorrow. You mentioned a birdcage and you mentioned interpersonal oppression. A very poignant black poet wrote something about interpersonal oppression, and we've never realized it until we had this conversation right now. Maya Angelou, I know why the cage bird sings. Mm. That's talking about, Mm -hmm. she is outlining and giving us Mm -hmm. the elements of interpersonal and outer personal, all oppression. That's right. But what she's saying is, in that oppression, and this is the problem we fall into, we become content. Mm. We become right. conformed. We can become complacent. So yes. that's when we don't see it. That's when we don't hear it. That's when we don't feel it. And that's why you don't think you're oppressed. That's why we, so we got we to gotta realize, we got to stop, stop looking at our situation as it is what it is mm-hmm. and realize that it's more than what it is. Yes. And, and that's why I was going to say we were talking about interpersonal, um, you know, like inflicting my will. And I, the most recent one is Putin. Yes. Putin is inflicting his will on yes. a whole country. And his whole country is saying, don't do it. But he's inflicting his will on a whole country. That is tyranny and communism. And most governments mm-hmm. are in a, of an oppressive nature. And we can talk about this more because we, we, we can be here all night. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Putin because I, I think he covers it all right now. What yes. he's doing when it comes to oppression. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, we will be back tomorrow yes. night with Voice the of the people. people. But I was going to say, do we have any comments out there that we need to draw people's attention to and have them go? Yeah, we have a question. The question you asked. We want to he- uh, hear your opinion. Are you oppressed right now? When was the last time you were oppressed? Um, and we have some other questions. Things that we mentioned tonight. Give us your comment. I know they said um, from the back room that we had a comment. Whatever your comment is, please give it to us to- uh, tonight and we'll address it tomorrow. Okay, and then I want to leave you with this. The ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and cruelty by the bad people, but the silence over that by the good people. And that's Martin Luther King Jr. This is Neutral Voices. Thank you. See you tomorrow night. What do you want?